Welcome to some more Bible in the News with Paul Billington here again to bring it to you. It's amazing how much the news headlines in just one week send us to look into the Bible to check that we aren't dreaming. Can it really be happening? I mean, just look at it. Just a few weeks ago, the militant terrorist organisation Hamas swept to power in a Palestinian election and shocked the world. Everybody hoped that they would change their position on Israel. But no, Hamas maintains a confrontational stance insisting that Israel has no right to exist, and no one seems to know what to do about it. Well, almost no one. Russia quickly makes up its mind to invite Hamas up to Moscow for a chat. And the next thing you know is that Hamas is hobnobbing with the patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church, Alexei II. They say that a picture is worth a thousand words. And you can see a picture of the Hamas leader with Alexei on our print version this week. So Russia not only accepts Hamas as an organisation to do business with, but even sanctifies it by arranging meetings with Russia's holy man. The Russian Orthodox Church, of course, owns a lot of property in and around Jerusalem, so Hamas and the Church share some common interests over real estate. Apart from that, it leaves you wondering what brings these so-called Christians to take such an interest in an Islamic terrorist outfit like Hamas. Why are they so friendly? Russia really does seem to have a liking for Israel's enemies. The other week it was Iran that was up in Moscow for talks about nuclear energy, and probably nuclear other things too. Now, when Yasser Arafat ruled the Palestinians, he was on excellent terms with the Pope. John Paul II had more visits with Arafat than with any other statesman. So, with the new gang from Ramallah, perhaps old Alexei thought he would get his foot in the door first. He has beat the Pope to it. It's not impossible that the Russian government, that is to say Vladimir Putin, put Alexei up to this new friendship with the Palestinians. One thing's certain. Putin has the intention of fostering a relationship with the Palestinians, whether run by Hamas or anyone else because he sees that there is a common area of interest to be shared, and this involves Iran. Khaled Meshayal, the Hamas chief, who has just visited Moscow, only two weeks ago was in Tehran talking with the Iranian president, who says that Israel should be wiped off the map. You know what they say? Birds of a feather flock together. It is the Bible that tells us the future movements of Russia and its allies against Israel. It is all in Ezekiel chapter 38. This is quite definitely a prophecy concerning the latter days. Verses 8 and 16 tell you that. An interesting note in the Companion Bible says that these prophecies of chapters 38 and 39 are still future, is clear from chapter 38 verses 14 and 16, 39 verse 9, verse 25, verse 26, as Israel will have then already been gathered, and complete restoration enjoyed immediately following the destruction of Gog. Now will I bring again the captivity of Israel. It must therefore precede the millennium. 
Loth's commentary, printed in 1739, that's over 250 years ago, identifies Russia in this policy, in this prophecy of Ezekiel chapter 38. This is what it says. The LXX, that's the Septuagint version, the Septuagint interpreters take the word Rosh, common, commonly translated chief, for a proper name. So they render the sentence thus, the Prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal. Rosh, taken as a proper name, signifies those inhabitants of Scythia from whence the Russians derive their name and original. Several modern translations have followed this reading of Ezekiel 38, rendering the passage as Prince of Rosh. As we look at this prophecy today and investigate these ancient names, there are two points to be borne in mind. First, it is clear that Ezekiel is telling us to look back at the Genesis record, the only other place in Scripture where we find all these names together. They are there in Genesis chapter 10, where the first five verses especially tell us that they are a Japhetic people. These are the peoples who migrated northwards and settled Europe and northern Asia. Ezekiel chapter 38 and verse 15 also tells us that this great company of nations will come out of the north parts. The second point is the fact that two very ancient historians whose writings have survived down to our own day clearly define the geography that is referred to here. The Jewish historian Josephus, who wrote it about, uh, wrote it about the time of Christ, and the Greek historian Herodotus, who lived within a century of Ezekiel himself. Both combine information which identifies these nations as being, on today's map, European and Russian. As we have pointed out on previous programmes, Ezekiel 38 verse 5 also mentions Persia, and that's modern Iran, as being with them. So here is an accommodation between Islamic countries and the Christian world, a joining together, as we might say, of Roman Catholic, Russian Orthodox and Islamic nations in a bid to remove Israel from the map by force. In view of this prophecy, the blossoming relationship between Hamas and Russia is not surprising. Neither is it surprising that France has given its blessing to the merging of interests that we see taking place. But there is another group of nations referred to in Ezekiel 38, and that is in verse 13. Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish with all the young lions thereof. Sheba and Dedan are the nations of Saudi Arabia and the oil-rich Gulf states. It appears that there were two locations known by the name Tarshish in the Old Testament. One lay west of Israel, sailing from Joppa on the Mediterranean coast, as in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 3. And the other Tarshish was in a location that was reached from Ezion-Geba and Elat on the Red Sea, as can be seen from Second Chronicles chapter 20 verse 36, and Second Chronicles chapter 8, verse 17. The western Tarshish was a source of silver, iron, tin, and lead, says Ezekiel chapter 27, verse 12, whereas the eastern Tarshish was a source of gold, silver, ivory, and apes, and peacocks, says Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 21. 
The return trip to the eastern Tarshish took three years in those days. So it is then that studies show that Britain was the western Tarshish and India the eastern Tarshish. But a family of nations is referred to by Ezekiel, the merchants of Tarshish with all the young lions thereof. There is no alternative explanation for this other than the English-speaking nations largely derived from what was once the British Empire. Those young lions have now grown up and include the United States, Australia, New Zealand, Canada and India. And so with President Bush's visit to India last week during which a firm alliance began, we see yet another piece of the prophetic picture taking shape all telling us that the time is near when the God of heaven will intervene in the affairs of men to redeem his people. It all gets very exciting, doesn't it? So join us again next week when, God willing, we shall consider more Bible in the News.